0: Welcome to season two, episode 22 of Grace or Grit. This is a podcast intended to address difficult, controversial, and debatable issues related to the Bible and the church. I'm your host, Dave Talley. I serve as the pastor at Grace Baptist Church in Herlock, Maryland, and along with me today is my co-host, Patrick Reed he is inching closer and closer to being a missionary to the gambia in africa patrick how are you doing
1: i'm doing well how are you
0: i'm doing great give us the latest news the latest update on the horizon for you getting to the gambia
1: well it is uh what's today today is june 22nd so um Uh, And just a little over a month or so, uh, somewhere around uh, the beginning of August, we'll be, uh, Lord willing, departing for the Gambia. So uh, we have our plane tickets purchased and um, we're in Florida right now, but we'll be headed back to Maryland maybe a week or so before we head on out, get our shipping container uh, packed up and sent off. And then um, be getting on a plane at uh, Dulles Airport. So,
0: yeah, super exciting. And uh, everybody, of course, needs to be praying for you guys as the number of new things that you will encounter, of course, will be stacked up uh, fast and heavy. So uh, certainly pray for your success and safety as you uh, venture into this new endeavor. Joining us today for a second time is Pastor Keith Meyer. Keith is the pastor of Harvest Baptist Church in Salisbury, Maryland. Pastor Keith, welcome back to Grace or Grit. How are things going with you?
2: Uh, things are good. It's good to be here. Um, you know, just kind of swirling in the, uh, the the world of all things that you have to do as a pastor. You know, catching up with people and to just you know trying to trying to dig out from underneath the uh, the load of things that we couldn't do during COVID, and you know just just get back to uh, I say from the pulpit. Life is normal in the new normal. Um, yeah you know, so, yeah. Yes. All
0: right. Well, let's just jump right into today's episode. Uh, Our topic for today is what is a Southern Baptist? And if I could just start with a tiny little monologue here, my father, Arthur Talley Jr. left our local Southern Baptist Church, which was Daniel's Chapel was the name of it, and left uh, the Southern Baptist Convention before I was born. So my knowledge of that comes obviously second-handed. I didn't live through that. I think his main beef, as I remember it, had something to do with the cooperative program uh, and his convictions about how mission work should be carried out. And in all fairness, he became a church planting missionary himself. And uh, that doesn't surprise me. When God calls you to do something Specific, you know, you can get fairly opinionated and, and uh, have a lot of convictions about how that ought to be done because he's called you to do it. I even went through this when I was called the pastor. I was in a great church with a great pastor, but every time something happened, I was thinking, "Man, I think it ought to be done this way. I think it ought to be done this way." And it wasn't right or wrong; it was just God, I believe, prodding me and pushing me to get out there and do it myself. Um, so. He would have to speak to that, I suppose. But anyway, I've spent the entirety of my life in independent Baptist churches, uh, currently called IFB, and that's usually not used in a friendly way, but that's how I've spent my uh, Christian journey is in IFB churches. Uh, I have interacted with churches and believers and pastors from the Southern Baptist Convention and of the Southern Baptist ilk many times on and off over the years, Uh, I consider SBC to be like faith and practice. If someone comes to join our church from a Southern Baptist church, you know, we're not going to rebaptize them or something of that nature. Um, (laughs) We're not Anabaptists, I guess. I would hope that the perspective is mutual, but I won't put anybody on the spot in that uh, category. Let me uh, let Patrick join in just for a moment here. Patrick, have you been connected with Southern Baptist churches? I know you're not a lifelong Christian. Um, You got saved a little further along in your journey, but uh, what's your experience with the SBC?
1: I was, yeah, before we moved to um, Herlock, the Herlock area, um, we were attending a church uh, in Laurel, Maryland, which was a Southern Baptist church. So we were there for quite a while quite a few years while we're in Laurel.
0: Okay. And the culture and doctrine similar to ours, uh, just that one church is all you're evaluating, of course, but similar or quite right. a bit different.
1: Very similar. Um, there were not a lot of differences. I mean, to be honest, the, the convention side of things never came up to my knowledge. You know, it wasn't something that was even talked about. It was operated as a, an independent church, you know, making their own decisions. There wasn't anything you know, that I could really see from my perspective, of course I wasn't the pastor there, so I'm sure they have a a much different perspective, but, um, um, from my point of view, you know, the doctrines, everything was, you know, the same, there weren't really any differences, you know, for the most part, obviously a different culture a bit, but there's different cultures in every church. So, you know, from church to church,
0: (laughs) there's different cultures in our church at 10 o'clock and at five (laughs) 30. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, yeah. So you were in a Southern Baptist church, a lot of similarities. People didn't know much about the convention there. You know, we're part of the Delmarva Baptist Fellowship, but most people who attend our church know absolutely nothing about it. We're part of the General Association of Regular Baptist Churches. Even fewer people know anything about that GARBC connection in our church. So to them, we're like a mom and pop's restaurant. We're just a local church and they come here to worship and get their truth and their fellowship and they go home. And if they, if I did talk about that stuff, they'd be like, Oh, whatever. I don't care about all that. <laughs> They're just not interested in those things. So I, I think that that's, that's interesting, by the way, I didn't plan to say this, but our church did start as a church split in 1957. Uh, First Baptist church here in Hurlock. Uh I don't remember all of the details and second, third hand information, but um, they had some deacons smoking or something. And so three families, uh, seriously, three families said, uh, well, we're not for this. We're out of here. And so they went out and started their own church. And uh, so, you know, we exist as a result of that that, uh, schism that happened however many decades
2: ago that's um that's something in the convention that we call traditional southern baptist church planting which is um <laughs> church churches new churches start by splitting yeah uh that's it's not healthy but yeah that that's it's pretty common so well, uh interestingly dave our our mutual friend uh lee hugert is the pastor of that church now right yes yeah yes. yeah and he's Great a fantastic guy yeah absolutely
0: guy great man of God. And uh, he helped you with your church there prior to you being there. And he helped First Baptist here in in, uh, Herlock before he became the pastor. Um, So, hey, if we could sanctify that church planting model, we just call it the Paul and Barnabas model.
2: That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: Can't get along. So let's go give the gospel to more people by splitting. Whatever. Uh, I think that's God taking the devil's arms, ripping them off and beating him up with them. I think that's sure. It.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, if it, if it, if it advances the gospel and uh, and brothers can eventually become reconciled, then, then so be it.
0: Yeah, it's good. All things work together for good to those who love God. Um, so as to why we're dedicating a podcast episode to this particular topic, I don't keep real close tabs mm-hmm. on the news at all. And, Whatever news category, it doesn't even matter what you're talking about, mainly because all the news sounds the same after a while. And I've come, like I'm sure most people have in our, um, I don't know, brand of thought in this country. I've come to mistrust journalists on both sides of the political spectrum. Sure. And I, I realize that ideally they might be a bit unbiased in the reporting that probably has never been the case, but it seems that that ship, if it ever existed, has sailed for sure. And they don't even try to hide the bias anymore. It doesn't seem so I don't pay much attention to the news, but, um, last week I noticed that (laughs) there were several controversies in the Twitterverse news, which I do uh, watch. Um, a few controversies that were dominating my Twitter feed and they all had something to do with the SBC. It's like the only thing that was on my Twitter feed for a while. Um, And I don't actually feel a great need to address the divisions that were being represented by those tweets, whether they exist or don't exist. It's not even my point. Uh, You're welcome to address those. If you like, I know Patrick is um, a little more gritty than I am. So he'll probably want to deal with that. Um, but I know you, Pastor Keith, I know a few other Southern Baptist uh, pastors, and uh, I only have good things to say about you all. So rather than using Twitter bites to draw conclusions, I want to hear things straight from the horse's mouth. So I'll turn the mic over to you here for for a little bit. You just uh, speak from your heart. You guys just had your annual convention meeting. Is that right?
2: we did yeah um it's it's interesting like uh people view the southern baptist convention uh, it's it, it exists in two different forms right like uh there are some people who say it's not a denomination because of its 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 form i think that's a it's a foolish thing to to fight with people over but um so fifty thousand churches throughout the united states um the uh, the giving that that comes in to to our central pool of, of money, the cooperative program is somewhere between 350 million and and, and $500 million a, a year, you know, depending on, on how far back you want to go. Uh, that's a, a huge amount of money we, we keep uh, we, we employ full time missionaries on the field we fund church plants, we have six seminaries, we have a, a policy arm called the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission that uh, tries to influence legislation and speak up for issues of, of, of life and religious liberty. Um, and, uh, and so it's a huge endeavor, but in, in actuality, right? So this is where people quibble over the fact they say that we're not a denomination. We have all these entities that we cooperate and, and work together with, but, um, but the convention itself only exists two days out of the year at that meeting. And, and at that meeting, uh, any participating church can send messengers and and it really is a it's a it's an organized free for all everybody's equal the messengers can vote on anything um there and uh they they can't it it takes it takes multiple meetings to make a constitutional amendment but uh but pretty much they can somebody can propose during new motions time that um, you know, that an organization would study something or they would take a specific action. And uh, and, and then the, the people on the platform, you know, the committees that 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 run the meeting, sometimes they'll come back and they'll say, hey, you know, what, we're not going to do that. You know, we've 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 decided we're not going to do that. And the messengers can override them and they can take a vote and uh, 15000 people will vote um, and, and override them. So they say it's the largest business meeting in in the United States, maybe the world. Um, here's another reason why it's important, I think, to, to pay attention to what's going on in Southern Baptist life. Not, not because we represent evangelicalism, but we are the largest Protestant denomination in the United States, and that means that a lot of organizations take their cues from us. A lot of people um, use our, our published materials. A lot of people, um, you know, they they design or derive policy statements, whether we release a policy statement and they write something different so so we influence a lot a lot of things and when you look at uh politics in the united states the the evangelical vote specifically white evangelicals are the most reliable voting group um in in the united states we generally don't swing and so whatever's happening in the southern baptist convention is a good indicator of what's going to happen in terms of of presidential and other elections so there's a lot of reasons to pay attention to it um, tensions were high this year um, were you there i, I was not there um, okay. i was unable to, to to travel just because of some things but uh we do now live stream everything and you can't participate electronically or vote electronically but but you can tune into all the coverage and and it's it's real time um and hey if you've got twitter and you're you've you've got a sufficient number of followers and you use the right hashtags man you know you you can you can create a ruckus online and uh, and sometimes what's happening on the floor is influenced by what's happening on twitter at that moment which is which is kind of super interesting. So, um we didn't meet in 2020 because of of COVID and uh, so th- so the meeting that was supposed to take place was canceled and uh, and that means that um so they say that they say that Baptists love the Bible, love Jesus and love a good fight and uh, and that means that you know if you don't have a meeting for a year and there are issues that are causing tension, those tensions continue to build. So things amplified and and, and continued to build um throughout 2020 it was it was a tense lead up uh tense to the point that many people um myself included uh, i've had this conversation with several people that i know many of us were wondering wow you know depending on how certain elections or decisions go um We may be looking for a new home in a few years if if the convention is going to split or there's going to be, you know, major reworking of personalities that are in leadership. Um, That's an anxiety inducing endeavor. Uh, It I I spent a lot of time in prayer and consideration and just asking the Lord to uh, to to change hearts and minds and and to, to relieve some of these tensions. So, um. If, if you've got any questions by the way jump in but let me let me just kind of talk about what what was going on um, there 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 is a there was a major schism within the uh, the the political thinking of southern baptists in that when it became clear that the republican nominee for president was uh, going to be trump in uh, you know in the election of 2016 there were some people who you know they they followed the course and said hey we vote republican and so they you know the pastors fell in line and the expectation was well you know um uh evangelical voters are going to vote for trump and then there were others uh like russ moore the president of the ethics and religious uh, religious liberty commission who said um that if we endorse trump as southern baptist then we're going to have to apologize to bill clinton because their character is, is similar, uh, very controversial statement made a lot of enemies. There was a, a church in Texas, one of the largest churches in the convention, that that said that they were going to re- withhold all of their giving, um, and uh, and so a tremendous amount of internal pressure. Um, that that mistake or that statement rather, I don't necessarily disagree with uh, with Russell Moore's assessment of of president Trump's history. You know, he, he's certainly not uh, somebody who I would ever vote for because he's a candidate who I would want as my pastor, Do you know what I mean? Like, and that was a big discussion and debate. Uh, we're voting for a president, not a pastor. Um, many people who voted for him over Biden in this past election, you know, they were like, we don't like Trump, but we don't like Biden more. And, and right. so let's, let's pick who, uh, very, very tense that that issue really um, caused a lot of trouble for Russ Moore and his organization the 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 ERLC came under attack and then in 2018 when Robert Downen of the Houston Chronicle published this an article um, it, it was a, a major earthquake for the denomination what what this reporter young reporter um, what he uncovered was that over a period of 20 years, a certain group of churches and a certain number of pastors had had concealed over 700 instances and reports of sexual abuse. Um, Major scandal. Um, Now, our our current president or our our former president of the SBC, J.D. Greer, uh, Summit Church, North Carolina, when he heard about this, he met with uh, Russ Moore. We launched a major initiative uh, in partnership with Rachel Den Hollander, who uh, who's an advocate for survivors, she's the one who uh, the young woman who testified against Larry Nassar of U.S. Gymnastics. You, you may have heard or seen her video. Uh, bold, unashamed, like this is not a person that you can control. You know, you put her on a platform, um, she's going to speak her mind because that's the kind of person she is, um, which I think is something that we need. Um, you know, when when you have a scandal like that. You have to address it. And so a major emphasis of the ERLC has been uh, designing processes and uh, creating curriculum to try to help churches get beyond just doing background checks. You know, um, a majority of churches don't even do them. But how do you really create an environment that's hostile towards abusers so that they will leave your church? And how do you create an environment where people feel free to disclose abuse and then you can get them the help that they need? um that those issues created a lot of tension for russ moore because of the personalities that were involved people who had been accused uh massive groups of people um you know a lot of influence and money wanted him out and he actually resigned prior to the meeting um and, and and leaked a bunch of information so uh heading into the convention you've got political divisions um you've got divisions over sexual abuse um one or two of the messengers headed to the meeting announced ahead of time that during new motions they were going to make a motion that uh that that we would employ a third party to um, investigate the leadership of the spc our executive committee um, and that the report wouldn't be issued to them it would be issued to the convention so we would have full access to everything um, right before, on the, on, on the Monday of the convention, when we're having the pastor's conference, the executive committee met and knowing that this motion was coming, they said, okay, we're going to hire a company. We're going to, we're going to do our own investigation, but we're not going to release the privilege. Uh, we're going to receive the report and then we'll release an adopted report. Well, on the floor of the convention, they made this motion, and the messengers overwhelmingly rejected the idea that the leadership would get to investigate themselves and uh, And we voted for an open report. and now the new president has to appoint an independent task force that's going to run this investigation. Um, it's It's interesting because it's a it's a massive cultural shift. Um, maybe baby boomer uh you know builder mentality was leadership will handle it just trust us the 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 contemporary understanding is absolute transparency you know open the doors tell the truth and you know let it out um and and i feel really strongly in this way i think that when you have an incident of trouble in the church leadership has to lead and say how do we preserve the honor of the lord jesus How do we protect the church, but also how do we make sure the individuals in our church or the individuals in our care get the care that they need? And and really, there's no way to protect the organization or the gospel unless you put the people who have the greatest need first. You have to prioritize them because you will destroy your organization if you try to cover anything up or to preserve your reputation to the damage of those who've been hurt it will destroy you so um yeah so anyway that's the uh the kind of the um uh the the sex abuse component and a number of survivors of sbc abuse um people who who make headlines um and and who've been in the news for for years a, a number of them showed up to uh to to be there and to support this motion and so all of them are on Twitter. They all connected with one another on Twitter, and, and so there's a lot of that swirling um, during the convention. Any any questions about that? That was a huge issue.
0: Patrick, you got any questions about that?
1: Well, I do. I wonder. Um, well, I wonder a couple of things. One is, I wonder why, as I've researched, um, you know, what's been going on in the Southern Baptist Convention. It seemed that really nothing was actually mentioned at all about the uh, abuse issues. That seemed to be kind of swept under the rug in every article I read. Maybe occasionally it was just briefly mentioned, but the majority of what was talked about was, you know, the election of the new president and that uh, the previous president, and the new president um, being accused of being progressive or liberal and the critical race theory. It you know, seems yeah. to be like the two big things that were, were brought up in it. And so I kind of wonder what what's causing, and th- I, this isn't something I've just seen in the SBC, but also in independent uh, fundamental churches, is, is that these sexual abuse things are just being swept right under the table or trying to be hidden, um, and it's a problem we're having, and it seems like all of our Baptist churches, not just the SBC. And I'm wondering if you have any insight as to why that's happening.
2: Um, it's it's interesting. Um... You know, I try to cast a wide net in terms of the information that I'm absorbing and try to listen to a lot of different perspectives, um, you know, because because a lot of times there's a lone voice that's shouting or several lone voices that are shouting and saying, um, hey, this is an issue and leadership or the majority of the people will deny and say no, no, no. And then sooner or later, it seems like you find out like, no, it was an issue and you had to have listened. There are there are people who um, who maintain that um, view of leadership, long standing personalities who've been in leadership for a long time, um, churches that are, are big givers, large influencers. You have you have donors within the convention who are multiple millionaires or billionaires. And where money and prestige and power are involved, many times where there's skeletons in the closet, there's cover-up. Um, it's it's interesting. Now again, I don't know what is. I don't know enough about the convention history to be able to say, oh, this person's a bad person, um, or this person's evil. And even then, I feel I I, I don't feel perfectly confident saying those kinds of things because the Lord judges the heart. You know, we can only judge the outward appearance. Um, but in a in a time in, in previous eras where maybe uh, issues related to um, you know abuse or uh, consent or the role of women, you know where, where maybe women were considered second class citizens, um, issues may not have been handled right. And so the president of Southwestern, uh, Paige Patterson, who was a, a hero of the conservative resurgence, and we could talk about that too, if you wanted to,. Um, it'll, it'll come up again. Um, he was let go from his, his role as president of Southwestern. And, uh, because, because there were allegations about the way he handled some allegations where students came forward and said, Hey, I was assaulted or I was abused. And, um, he either got the truth out of them, which was to get them to say that nothing happened or he ignored things or swept them under the rug. And there was, there was, sufficient evidence that the board of trustees of southwestern said no we we need to let you go we need to start over again um paige was one of the last surviving members of what's called the conservative resurgence um uh, dave your dad probably left in in the at the height of the uh what would be considered a a modernist takeover of the the seminaries right where right you uh, um some of our some of the people that we respect, Al Mohler, Mark Dever, you know, our personalities that we know, they, they'll say that there was a time when they were in class where at the beginning of New Testament interpretation, the professor would take the Bible and he would throw it across the room into the garbage can and say everything that you know is, is wrong. Everything you were taught in your churches. Well, the conservative resurgence, um, Paige Patterson and Paul Pressler, uh, a judge, um, Paul Pressler has also been uh, what many people believe credibly accused credibly accused of of having some some abusive instances in his past. These two guys figured out how they could um, take over the denomination conservatively, and that's um, you control you 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 stack the committee on committees, right? Which um, uh, which stacks the Committee on Nominations. And if you can control the Committee on Committees and the Committee on Nominations, then you control who the trustees are, and that's who appoints the presidents of the seminaries. Uh, in 1993, the plan really uh, took shape, and that's when Al Mohler was appointed president of Southern. He's he's probably uh, the most conservative president as uh, Southerns had in its history. Um, but in in... in meetings in the past in in 1979 say there were 45,000 people at the annual meeting in the astrodome um and adrian rogers was elected president and uh charles stanley followed him you know i never knew why charles stanley was famous um but he was famous because he was reliable conservative and he would hold the line on on issues of biblical orthodoxy Uh, the problem when you have a takeover like this is you've got people and personalities who are involved who are, you know, there are all kinds of promises made, there are people who back them up, um, and 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 guys who maybe don't have the best intent or are taking advantage of people uh, can do that and they're protected. And that seems to be what, what has happened over the years in some of these situations. So um, the story of the conservative resurgence is that we return to orthodoxy, and I believe we did, I think our, our our statement of faith is um, is worthy of subscription. Our seminaries teach inerrancy. You know our, our faculty is reliable. Um, but that doesn't mean that there aren't brutal legacies. So I, I, I think that's the way in which the story of sexual abuse can just get suppressed, but even as it's suppressed throughout its history, suddenly you have the advent of social media. You know maybe 2008 2009 is when everybody started getting online and now you can't control anything you know now everything has to shift to transparency and how we handle things um because you know i mean hiding is unethical but unavoidable in uh, you can't you can't can't avoid people hiding things within your organizations if they're if they're just going to bury it but now somebody who says that they've been They've been abused. They can just get on Twitter and start talking yep. and people will investigate. And so uh, in that sense, you know, an organization that has a legacy of hiding things can be found out. And, and, and really, this is chickens coming home to roost for, for some people. So, yeah, if I yeah. could comment
0: on that, of course, the Catholic Church has been in the news for quite some time with their abuses. And it's not a Catholic Church problem and it's not an IFB problem. And it's not an SBC problem. It's a human problem. Sure it's a worldwide problem, historic problem. Uh, and as long as men have sin natures, you know, these kind of things are going to happen. I do believe that different organizations have tendencies and systems and structures and habits and cultural directions that make it easier for people to get away with this stuff or harder to get away with it. Right. But, um, it annoys me when people say, like, yep, see, that's the Catholic Church.
2: Oh, that's yeah. the IFB. <laughs> no, Those are humans. That's the problem. So I'll tell you, something, something amazing happened. Well, here's my assessment of the convention. Um, the media is covering the fact that we elected a moderate president, right, and not the conservative or ultra-conservative presidential candidate. We didn't we didn't elect Al Mohler, who's the probably the best known name in Southern Baptist uh, the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, and we didn't in, we didn't elect Mike Stone, who is he's been on the executive committee for a number of years, he's, he's kind of considered establishment, but he's conservative we elected and an, uh, a personality who's considered a moderate now why is he considered moderate. Um, he's considered moderate because uh, he's very pro racial reconciliation. You know, he has a, a very broad ministry in his hometown of Mobile, Alabama. Uh, when when everything went down in Ferguson a number of years ago, he started reaching out to black pastors and they have a program where they pair black and white pastors together and they meet and they discuss a guided curriculum. And, you know, he's, he's very pro-racial reconciliation. So um, that gets him labeled as woke, whether or not he's woke or not. Um, that there there are those within SBC life who I think argue in bad faith. Uh, They're willing to misrepresent the truth in the cause of the truth because their cause is noble. They can do and say anything. Um, And so they misrepresent the truth. There are stories, uh, there was a story that was published last night that said a conservative guy was denied his second term on our executive board um and they couldn't even appeal it in the meeting they were shut out well that's not true it's very uncommon that when you nominate a board that they will replace someone so they made a motion to replace and the messengers denied it well that wasn't the only thing that happened three times people got up to suggest replacements they wanted to put somebody that 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 the the um the more moderate spcers would consider um one of one of their guys they tried to put him on they, they tried to put this guy on the board three times people tried to make changes they were all denied it's not that we shut out conservatives it's that none of the changes to the rosters went through so uh but they make it they make it seem like this one guy got snubbed um that's just arguing in bad faith and i've yeah. i've 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 confronted a lot of that on twitter where i've said you're not telling the truth um yeah. about about what's going on here. Yeah. Um, favorite, me, yeah.
0: favorite news is fake news. I mean, to That's use right.
2: a, some of the, well,
0: the, the let, ways that people are talking right now.
2: Let me, let me close the loop on that because I wanted to say something about um, the, the real story of the convention. And we'll talk about critical race theory in, in just a minute. And I don't know how much time we've got. I want to I wanna respect your time. But uh, the real story of the convention is, I think, a reflection of our culture right now. Trust is very low in institutions. and so over and over again, when our institutions came and said, "This is what we want to do, if it wasn't consistent with transparency and ethics, uh, and, and what we would consider ex- acceptable, you know, and I think we'd all we'd all agree on on very similar things. The messengers overrode the leadership of the of the convention. so our our president, our CEO, has spent months pitching five strategic actions vision 2025 we're going to plant 5000 churches we're going to grow our giving to 500 million dollars a year we're going to put 500 missionaries on the mission field right um a guy who's the cousin of an abuser he he gives this report and he and he uh, the, the the ceo gives a report and puts the the adoption of this vision before the messengers. And he's like, okay, can we vote on this? And he what he wants is a slam dunk solid vote. Everybody adopts it. A messenger steps forward. He's a cousin of one of these women who've, who was abused. And he says, I've, I move that we add to vision 2025, this statement that we prayerfully endeavor with God's help to eliminate every instance of racism and sex, uh, sex abuse from all of our churches. And is there a second, second, you know, is there any discussion, right? There might've been a couple of minutes of discussion, but the messengers voted overwhelmingly 15,000 people to add a plank six. Um, we, we wonder, are there posters, handouts, documents that have all been printed and are ready to go that are now sitting somewhere? They need to be thrown out because they all need to be reprinted. Um, we, there were massive checks on executive power um, and, and in some sense, it's I, I think for conservative people, you know, who, who lean conservative in their politics, uh, it's there may be some kind of fantasy being acted out here of what we wish the federal government looked like. You know, um, the messengers got everything they wanted at this meeting. So um, anyway, I don't know if you got any questions about that, or if you want to talk about the uh, the, the presidential candidates and and the uh, the critical race theory <laughs> issues.
1: Well, I want to I want to talk about um, I want to talk about the politics side of things that you've been mentioning a lot, because certainly in all the all the things I've read, it seems like national politics plays a gigantic role in what's happening at the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, And I'm just wondering, it is confusing to me because it seems like the focus is all about the politics and, you know, national politics critical race theory who the president you mentioned president trump and that you know pastors needed to be voting for him and um why would the focus not be on the mission of the church i mean why is there such a heavy focus on the politics of the country but what i'm not seeing here is a heavy focus i mean it seems to me like jd greer as you said listed out five things they wanted to accomplish look like trying to accomplish the mission of the church getting churches planted. And yet the convention comes together, and it seems like the whole discussion is about uh, what I would consider, I guess I would say, irrelevant matters. I mean, I'm not saying there is the, the uh, abuse issue isn't important, and that must be dealt with. I, I 100% agree with it. Um, but dealing with things like you know, the critical race theory, not that it doesn't need to be dealt with, but it's, it seems like those things are made as a higher priority just sure. from an outsider looking in. Than getting churches planted, spreading the gospel, because the solution is not going to be fighting critical race theory. The solution is not going to be getting a different president elected. The solution is going to be getting more followers of Jesus. Sure. You
2: know? Let me, let me, and, let me just correct one thing okay. there. Uh, did you want to finish asking? Was there more? Than no, the question? Ahead, well, here's, here's one, one correction is this. Um, the, the president who wants the five strategic actions is the president of our executive committee. Um, the executive committee runs the convention for the 363 days that we're not in session. The president of the convention is JD Greer, right? So we elect we elect a president to preside over the meeting, and he gets to go to all the executive committee meetings. He's a he's this is what's super interesting. I said this to my wife. I would love for our country to study the way the SBC government works because we could we could change so much about the gridlock of our nation if we were willing to decentralize power more like they have it in the, in the in the convention so having a president who has a president of the convention who shares your your same values means that um you know he may recognize somebody speaking from this microphone and not that microphone right you know they want to make a motion depending on how time is going somebody who's a troublemaker you know who who wants to uh who who may not take you in a direction you want to go having the guy on the platform who's calling on people and and running the business can work to your advantage um having a guy who shares your values as the president of the executive committee means that for 363 days of the year he's going to be running things according to his vision um ronnie floyd our our current chairman he is he would be considered an establishment elite guy um jd greer church he's a he's a church planner his church has planted hundreds of churches The, the summit churches has sent hundreds of missionaries they're they're one of the like breakout churches of the the 21st century um he 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 would be more on the side of transparency and transforming things and quickly reacting and not necessarily caring about preservation of reputation, but about about doing the right thing. Um, he also has been called woke by many people. Um, when it when it comes to politics, this is this is what I believe. I do think that there, I do think that that there are groups and think tanks and um, and corporations. You know, and and we've got we've got people who who run corporations in the the SBC, members of these churches. They're interested in steering the politics of the convention in a particular direction because evangelicals are the most reliable vote. And so here's the thing: even our progressives are conservative. Our denomination is is unashamedly, we've confirmed it over and over and over again since the conservative resurgence we have been unashamedly pro-life there is there is no pro choice element within this southern baptist convention so when someone calls russ moore a liberal right what is what does that mean like liberals the the label that we use leftists progressives progressives are for um you know abortion on demand and no restrictions and um nobody within the sbc is for that unless they're absolutely and utterly willing to lie completely about who they are which is i don't know if we're there that's just that's absurd um so 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 really what it seems like um i think that there are uh there's a contingent of people who feel that the democratic party better represents say the interest of the african-american community or that they that they'll be better on things like universal health care um that they'll that they'll do a better job um you know being benevolent towards immigration naturalization of citizens these are all things that uh you could argue have their root in old testament right you know um that these are that these are justice issues so those people might be willing to vote for biden Um, there's a whole group of people who think that Trump was a massive mistake and they're, they're not thrilled with him, but they don't love Biden. And so they're going to vote for Trump anyway. Um, and then there are people who will fly the Trump flag for the rest of their life, you know, and they, some of them, some of this crew still thinks the president is the president, even the former president is the president. Um, so you got the QAnon crowd is in there too. I don't think that there's a lot of them. But they're loyalists and they want the politics to represent that some of them are handing out punishment for things done during the trump years um you know or or things done during the election so you uh, when i had said on on twitter the other day that it's not our theology that's liberal um it it is our political motivations and our um our social our sense of what what the social environment in the united states should look like those are the questions and places where people are considered liberals um and and they're labeled but even our even our most liberal liberals in the spc are still incredibly conservative they couldn't they couldn't leave the spc and go and get a job on you know running a company in new york they'd be They'd, they'd be tarred and feathered as bigots, you know? Yeah. Um, so, um, it's, it's, it's interesting because the media latches onto words like moderate, which is meaningless. What is a moderate in today's culture? Nobody knows. It's just a meaningless word, but it, it creates this idea of trouble and fracture. So, um, yeah, there is a, there is a, 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 group that i do believe uh would be considered republican you know they've got strong uh ties to uh to conservative politics and uh and they are using critical race theory as a wedge issue to um you know to to drive votes and to get people to vote their way um it's it's interesting because they're the group of people that call others woke and one of the things that i've asked quite a bit on twitter is hey what is woke what is wokeness like what is what does it mean to be what is critical theory and you ask people and they have they they can't articulate what it is they just know they they'll say it's racist or it um you know they'll say that it uh You know that it's that it's leftist or marxist or it's about dismantling power but they're they're not really sure what it is in in part i think because they just they know that it's bad there are some people who really do know and they have they've educated themselves um but i I find that they're very they're very few so i don't know if you guys want to interject anything i could talk about uh res 9 2019 and, and and the resolution we adopted this year Uh, Let me, let me jump in uh, and interrupt
0: that, uh, stream of conversation. Uh, I want to, first, let me say that, uh, as I watched the, my Twitter feed, uh, I picked up on what you just described as people being opportunistic, right? I'm going to choose a side. I'm going to be a loyal person to this, this leader, or I'm going to build a following and Sometimes the, the things they say, I'm like, you're not that far apart. You know, these two guys are supposed to be great enemies and opponents. And I'm like, you guys are not that far apart. This is ridiculous. Right. You know, And they start fighting over nuances and trying to build a following. That's kind of the impression I got. Uh, and that's politics. And that's what I want. I want to go shallow for a minute because you're sure you've been going deep into the po- political side of things. I want to go shallow for a moment so that we can go deeper in a different spot. Sure. And here's the shallowness. I have been told over the years, you're a Southern Baptist, right? And literally what these people mean when they say that to me is you're from the South and you're a Baptist. Right. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, you're from New Jersey, right? So that's right. <laughs> so yeah. You're a Yankee Baptist, what you are. Yeah. You know, I don't know. And what my point is, a lot of people, the believers in the seats, they don't have a clue what an independent Baptist is or a Southern Baptist or an American Baptist or a general Baptist or any other category, they don't have a clue what the difference is. So go, go a little deep for a few minutes in the week to week worship in a Southern Baptist church. I know this sounds uh, strange for me to ask, but again, from my childhood, my impression was that Southern Baptists were heretics, you know, Sure. They were doing awful things, but this is the stuff you've been talking about today. This is not typically what y'all would deal with
2: on your average Sunday morning. That's right. A pulpit. Correct. That's right. Sure. Um, but, so, so here's the, here's the thing, like, and again, this is where, like the people who make the, we're not a denomination argument. They, they, they have a point in that um, we're not like the Roman Catholic church or um, say the Anglican church where we have a prescribed order of worship like uh, in my town we have Oak Ridge Baptist Church which is uh, a church that's cast in the mold of um, Saddleback Church out in California so they're purpose driven and uh, they preach topical sermons they'll do six weeks at a time on a subject and and the the pastor will assemble a teaching and he'll use scripture to su- support it. Um, now my church we meet in the building that oakridge started in you know we bought their old building a number a couple years back and we meet here and i'm preaching through the book of hebrews you know so every single week we people don't know how far we're gonna get you know this past sunday i preached all of hebrews 12 because i thought man this is a coherent thought um but you know we we start with singing we pray we give we hear from the word and we we then Commit ourselves to go out into our mission field and share the gospel. Invite, you know, um, live lives of, uh, that that obey the great commands and in pursuit of the great commission. So love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Um, so every church has its own kind of flavor. At least this this, this started with the church growth movement, where Southern Baptists became incredibly diverse. Probably. Um, uh Bill Hybels church, um, which the name oh Willow Creek probably kicked off that the the diversity movement where you know worship suddenly changed and then Saddleback kicked that into high gear. Um our our the the thing about at the SBC is that we have all these organizations that we cooperate with that are designed to advance our causes. So we give money to the cooperative program and the cooperative program then gives money to the north american mission board and they plant churches so they assess them they assess planters they support them and everything that they do is regulated by our doctrinal statement the baptist faith and message as a as a pastor of an sbc church i don't even need to endorse the baptist faith and message but when i give the If the system's working properly everybody who works for me works for my church doing all these things they are all bound by those rules so it's it's like it's it's like having all of these support services that can come alongside your church um sbc churches they're very conservative theologically um and you know then here's the here's the other thing in i think in I think by 2025, a third of the churches that are in the SBC, 50,000 churches, a third of them, are going to have been planted in the last decade. Um, 25% of them are going to be non-white congregations. The most rapid growth in the United States among the SBC has been among African-Americans, uh, Latinos, and um, you know then, then, then other groups like Filipinos, Chinese, Koreans. Um, We have ethnic congregations and each of those groups has a different bit of political or social um approach to things based on their on their background and their tradition so um yeah it's a it's a strange animal you know um but it's 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 theologically orthodox and then we also believe in in the autonomy of the local church so yes um you can't come in and revoke a pastor's ordination. You can't change the pastor of that church. Um, this, by the way, is, is a, is an interesting issue because it, it affects how uh, we handle things like sex abuse, you know, um, much of the argument that's been pushed that when people have pushed back against keeping a registry, they say it violates the autonomy of the local church, which I don't believe is true. Um, but, but all these organizations, they, they, they're never allowed to tell us what we're allowed to do. Um, I, think that, I think that the local church has to keep that in check with uh, like the, the verse from Galatians 5. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free, but don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Like you can't tell us what to do, SBC, but <laughs> does that mean you can just be a stubborn idiot or do you do you say, hey, what's reasonable and what should we right. cooperate with? Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, because the scripture does still teach us that we're as Christians to submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. Sure. And that's me to you, and you to me, and you know and Patrick to the grandma sitting on the back seat of the, the church. You know, we're all that's supposed right. to listen because the Spirit can speak through any of us.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of a, a look into into the SPC. I find that I've or I should say I've found that when a guy plants a church with the sbc you know and then when they when they plant when when you're planting you're you're not looking necessarily for a pastor the guy's got to be pastoral but you're not looking for a guy always who can maintain and who can care and visit and share and run prayer meetings and do all these things you're looking for somebody who can gather people you know he he's not mean he's not a maintainer he's he's trying to create something new so you need somebody who can draw crowds and who can do outreaches and who will talk to people who aren't christians and who will preach to people who aren't christians that they've gathered and draw them in where they where they have this personal experience with christ um a lot of times what happens is is over the course of a couple years some of these guys you'll you'll realize maybe they the, the popularity is going to their head or uh, maybe they just uh, they they weren't really rooted and grounded in the faith, and they'll kind of go off on their own. Uh, and a lot of times, those guys leave the convention. They don't want to be associated with the SBC and its rules. You know, they want to be in charge of of the interpretation of the Bible, or maybe they've got more what you consider progressive rule, uh, views in terms of the ordination of women, or um, on, on LGBTQ issues, or, you know, they want to be more, um, tolerant of pro-choice or they, you know, and, and they'll just leave. People don't stay SBC. Right. You know, if, if they're not conservative, especially
0: in 2021 culture, that's, I mean, it just, that's right. It, and that's, that's right. true. I mean, even here in the church, I'm, I'm one sermon away from anybody and not anybody There's some of them stick it. If the devil became pastor, they would still stick it out. But, um, right. <laughs> but there's, there's a lot of people that are one sermon away from never coming back. I mean, that loyalty in 2021 is, sure. you know, micro thin, uh, you gotta, you gotta earn every step you take. I, I mean, that's what I see anyway.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about critical theory? Is that, uh, do we have time um, to get into that? Maybe we
0: can save that for another podcast. Sure. Um, what what do you see as the future? First of all, what is your because you you've been a leader in some kind of regional organization of of Southern Baptist churches, correct?
2: Yeah, our um, our area director of our local association, which is you know uh, the Maryland part of the Eastern Shore, that um, we have it. We have a Delaware uh, association. Our leader took off about. Uh, he left about three years ago, and I've been serving as the interim leader uh, of of that organization. Uh, some people they they say, "Oh, just become the permanent leader," and I'm I I, I just I can't do it. I can't devote the time that it needs. Um, we you know we know the local scene, we know the churches, we know the pastors and the personalities that move between churches, and so we try to help and resource churches. Um, we just planted a new church in Salisbury, uh, uh, kind of a uh tattoos and uh you know hipster clothing church uh it's it's in a poorer section of town and this young man he's baptized 15 20 people since easter and uh he's he's just he loves jesus and he's going after it so uh, we start we start churches locally um when churches have an absence uh, when a pastor leaves you know we try to make sure that they can get somebody to fill their pulpit you know, if they if they have a leadership conflict, we try to go in there and fix it. Um, yeah, so I've been I've been running that for about three years. So, um, yeah, that's my that's my my local role.
0: The reason I asked you is because I want to ask, um, you know, what do you see for the future of the SBC? Um, as I watch IFB trends from the inside, yeah. you know, if if you go, I, I'd say. 30 years in the future, you know, I, I see IFB churches either changing their name and not calling themselves IFB anymore, coming up with something else. In fact, there's a guy who's pushing for uh, using the term unaffiliated rather than independent, just to separate from some of the mess that's been going on. And I actually saw one of the biggest names in IFB use that term just last week. And I was shocked. I was like, wow. Wow. This is, this is a big name, and he did not call himself an independent Baptist. He called himself an unaffiliated Baptist, uh, which I don't think that name's going to settle. It doesn't have much of a ring to it. Right. Um, but anyway, I see IFB, not the spiritual work. I don't see that dwindling. I believe there's a lot of guys who hold the true gospel and hold to the word, and they love Jesus, and they love people, and God's going to bless and use it. So I can see it morphing into something else. Splitting into lots of smaller things, but I just don't see any kind of unified IFB like existed in the 80s, 70s, 80s, uh, even into the 90s. I, I just don't see that happening ever
2: again, personally. Sure. What do yeah. you see for the SBC? Um, well, I, I do think that. You know our history from 1845 maybe till the uh, the passing of the Civil Rights Act. You know we certainly are, are a denomination that was steeped in racial division. You know we were founded so that um, slaveholding missionaries could be appointed and be sent overseas. You know that was the that was the the issue that led to the founding. Uh, we backed the Confederacy um, as the SBC uh you know in in 1968 you had uh the pa- passing of the civil rights act i believe it's 1968 or 64. and and so you you see the societal change and, and and there were a number of people within the convention who even prior to that were sympathetic to integration and equality um i i think that between then and 1995 with the conservative resurgence you, you see this rewiring and changing to the organization becoming uh, devoted to that Revelation 7 vision of all tribes and nations gathered before the throne of God. Um, We're we're, we're wired for a great commission focus. What I think is happening now is that we're we're seeing, um, as our culture changes, we're seeing a lot of the traditional unwilling to change congregations are dying off you know um their children don't stay they either go to other churches or they never discipled them and they're they're not walking in the faith and so the organization is wiring itself for um constant planting constant planting like always starting new uh me personally there's there's no statement in vision 2025 that talks about how we're going to revitalize churches um and I'm I'm a big proponent of why close it if you can fix it we need to be recruiting lots of people who are going to do the work of revitalization um because isn't that the business we're in anyway aren't we 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 renovate the the culture of a church we renovate hearts people come in and they 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 begin to follow christ and so they're transformed into new creations and we we want to disciple them we want to see their character transformed we want to see Cities and towns transform. Not that that's our mission, but that should be the fruit of the gospel, should be yes. that, 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 Proof. that, yeah, areas are, are changing. So I, I would, my hope is that the younger generation of people who are coming into the SBC um, understand how politics is important for the preservation of, of, of life you know, and 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 society, but that but that it ought not to make not to make its way into theological conflicts. I'm hoping we'll transcend that and we'll be able to embrace more um, you know just more of the nuance of of different perspective, but also that we, we will just be devoted to 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 cooperation in between cultures. We 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 have this the stage, I believe, to show how A historically Anglo denomination can interact with African-Americans and and other ethnicities, and we can thrive. So that's my real hope is that we're going to embrace that. Um, It's really popular here in Maryland, to be honest. Like We're probably one of the most diverse states with the best track record of cooperating. Uh, I would like to see that push south. I'd like to see the way that we operate push further into the south
0: you're talking about SBC churches in Maryland specifically yeah.
2: right yeah we're we're very um very diverse and and, and enjoy uh, i think i think good harmony uh between uh different ethnic groups and so i would love to see that i'd i'd love to see the the southern states be less dominated by maybe by an, uh a white perspective um you know and just just be more welcoming of 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 different perspectives so does
0: does the SBC track and are you aware of any numbers um like the average age of the uh person sitting in the pew in the SBC churches do they track that have you seen they, anything
2: of They do I honestly I think that that's it's like Definitely going to go from from church to church. We we did we did post our biggest loss over the last two years. We've lost two million people. Um, I think over the last five years, baptisms are down. Um, not all of that is COVID. A lot of it is just being self focused, and so we need to retool and and get back about the business. So um, they say the average SBC church has baptized nobody in the last two years. So. Um, now I baptized five people in the, uh, in, in just in 2021. So I, I feel, I feel good, but Hey, you know, you can't, you can't say I'm doing better than others. You've got to keep pushing forward on the mission and keep bringing people to Christ and, and discipling them. So yeah, that's the commitment is to, is to, to turn around from serving ourselves to serving others.
0: Sure. Well, we've gone over an hour, so I think we'll wow. probably wind this thing down. And uh, yep. I have all the time in the world, but I don't know that our listeners would continue on forever. Um, sure. Hopefully, hopefully there'll be, I, I know we got a good number of pastors that, uh, that listen to our podcast and hopefully uh, your thoughts will, will give some hope and clarity for the ones like me who just were reading off of Twitter. And, you know, I read a few uh, articles and some of the names you mentioned were familiar to me because I read a few articles. Um, so I appreciate you shedding some light. Uh, The truth sets people free and that's not just the gospel truth. All truth is liberating and helpful. So um, you're very knowledgeable about it and very familiar with it and uh, have a, a great perspective. So I really appreciate you taking time to share. Last time you talked about how to be funny. And uh, so now yeah, I realized. Right. Yeah. Now I realized that was just an outlet for Keith. You know, this is the real Keith right here.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, I've I've largely ditched Facebook since then, and now I'm doing my thing over on Twitter. And uh, yeah. I I don't know. Some people find Twitter more toxic, but I I love it. It's great. I think it's much better than Facebook. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. So well, thanks for having me. I do appreciate it.
0: You're welcome. And for all of our listeners out there, if you want to check out uh, Keith Meyer and his church, you can go to harvestbc.com, harvestbc.com, and uh, check him out. Great man of God doing a great work down in Salisbury. Well, thank you guys, uh, Patrick and Keith, for spending some time with me today. I pray for God's rich blessings on both of you, on your families, on your ministries, As always, to all of you out there listening on the various podcast platforms, be sure to let others know about this podcast and listen to other episodes. Uh, I personally believe I'm not into a bunch of conspiracy theories, but I do believe that the uh, various uh, internet, uh, um, what's the word? They have a word for it. Uh, Algorithms or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the various rules that they put out there are bent against people like us. I really believe that with all my heart. Uh, So, But we can overcome that to some extent with organic uh, promotion. So uh, like, share, subscribe, comment, review, et cetera. It's an easy way um, to spread truth uh, without even having to do much work at all. So do that and listen again next time. Until then, may the grace of God be on you and the grit to serve faithfully be in you. May God bless all of the gospel preaching churches of every denomination or lack thereof. I'll close with a little joke, by the way. This is a a lady who's in heaven now, Miss Ann-Laura Messick. She had some family members who started going to, uh, God forbid, a non-denominational church. Oh, gosh. (laughs) She said to me, she said, you need to pray for my, whoever it was, I can't even remember. They've started going to a non-denominational church. She said, you know what that means? Of course, I know what a non-denominational church is, but no, what does it mean? She said, it means they don't know what they believe.
2: (laughs) That is too funny. I always say, when somebody says, I go to a non-denominational church, I say they're Baptists in denial.
0: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Non-denominational, without a name. You just said, my name is no name. Okay. So your name is no name. That's cool. (laughs) No, but I don't care what brand it is. If you're preaching the gospel, we want God to bless you. As sure. Paul said, even those who you know mocked him and uh, and uh, used his life, you know, as a as a as a negative example. He said, "Hey, they're preaching Christ, and I rejoice." So Yeah.
2: Wow, that is a it's something to be desired to 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 want the people who have. Talked about bad about you or don't like you to prosper. Yep. That's something to attain.
0: Amen. Good place to end. God bless you guys.
2: Thanks for having me.